Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Mega Ten Marathon. It's a game by game journey through the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona series. Uh, I'm Paul M. Davis, and who am I here with? It's me, it's Brian Static, or Brian May. I don't care. One of those. Hey, and I'm Evan. Still guesting is Fletch. Hello. Hey there, buddy. Hey there, Fletch. How you doing? So, yeah, last time we uh, covered the first bit of Shin Megami Tensei, the original, the king, the champion. And we're here to, you know, see what happens after, you know, we uh, kind of uh, destroyed Tokyo. Yeah. Um, So, Fletch, do you want to give us a little uh, recap of uh, what happened uh, previously? So, for everyone who's just tuning in a little late, we woke up, discovered we were locked in a police barricade, found demons at the mall... Uh, had ourselves attacked, had our mother attack us, discovered Hmm. there were teleporters around Tokyo, and the long and short of it is that by the end of a very shitty week, our dog was a hellhound, our best friend was dead, and we were running around and teleported out of Tokyo before nukes dropped, thanks to Thor, the ambassador to America. I hate Mondays. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and then we find ourselves teleported away at the last moment, and uh, I believe that brings us to you, Paul. Yes. So, uh, you come to in uh, Congo Kai, and um, you're back in the dream world from the game's intro, and uh, you've been separated from all your friends and your demons, and uh, there's a mysterious man in sandals named Endo Ozuno, who uh, tells you that you have to go around the dungeon to uh, collect your buddies and uh, the demons you had. So this this starts a very long stretch of the game deciding that it doesn't want you to have things. Mm-hmm. Like, it keeps taking things away for you for rant from very small points of time. It's kind of like in the in Megami Tensei 2 when you lose the comp for a little bit. But this game, this game does it, like, five times in a row with different systems. Yeah, it's, it's a very retro throwback where, well, you've got all your tools, but how do you play with some of them a few times? It's like the beginning of uh, Metroid or... Um... Or Zelda game, but uh, like five times in one game. Exactly. Yeah, it's totally that. It, and if the when the games are older and when the systems are a bit more complex, that's a little bit more of an interesting proposition. Like, how do you function without the use of this or this or this? But in this game, when there's only like four or five essential tools, just losing them, uh, lose one, then lose another, but get the first one back. It gets tedious after a while. And just oh, yeah. there's not enough to exploit to really make it an interesting uh, section for gameplay. Well, the other problem mm-hmm. is in this game, that's somewhat balanced by which demons you still have available. But that that could be totally random. Like the demons you have available might be underpowered and might be carried by the tools that you just lost. Exactly. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot to lose by just losing mm-hmm. one thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we lost all our demons. None of them. Got to go find them. Uh, so yeah, you got to go around this, uh, really confusing dungeon, probably the most confusing dungeon you've come across so far. Is this Um, the first time we see one way doors? I think it is. I think so. Yeah. Or at least this is the first time where they play a major role in the design of the, uh, just the main walkway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You've got these one way doors. You've got 
this like you know i mean obviously it's dungeon crawler so there's there's going to be maze like layouts but this is where the uh maze like layouts of the dungeons start to become like you know somewhat hateful um so anyway it's not really you know despite the confusingness of the dungeon it's not that hard to find your uh, demons and your buddies and once you have them all you uh, return to endo uzuno and uh he tells you that they're uh, that you're in some kind of like limbo or afterlife world and uh he says that tokyo has been destroyed which triggered a global nuclear war uh civilization's been completely wiped out and uh, the world may be worse than the abyss. Your Labro uh, insists that you uh, go back to destroy the demons. Um, and Endo Zuno tells you to retrieve some Soma first from a nearby spring. And uh, it unlocks new area. Various like shades will tell you about the alignment system. Um, this is the first point where the game is uh, directly pointing you to the alignments of your demons and actually saying, hey, these have an effect on, you know, the things you're doing. Yeah, and if you take the time to explore this entire dungeon, which, by the way, having to explore the nook and crannies of a dungeon as annoying as this is an insane way to um, to describe critical game mechanics. But if you just explore the entire dungeon, it'll tell you straight up, like, oh, if, yeah, if you kill too many of this type of demon, it's going to move your alignment in this direction. And, you know, this along with, I mean, in a few moments, we're going to get the first weapons that uh, are strongly reliant on which uh, uh, path you are on, on the morality scale. Not morality. What do they, what's the, do they have a word for the scale they use in this game? Alignment? Series? I think just alignment. I think it's it's just alignment. alignment Spectrum. Sorry, I don't know why that word slipped out of my head. (laughs) Okay, so uh, you're going to get weapons that that are... You can only use them if you're part of a certain part of that spectrum. And uh, so this this whole thing, the thesis statement here is start to understand your alignment. It's going to be important somehow. Mm-hmm. And this is the first point that I actually tried to summon demons into my uh, party. And it would say, oh, that demon uh, isn't, you know, consistent with your alignment. And uh, presumably they were, I mean, the demons were like, hey, you found me again. Um, so presumably I was able to uh, summon them in the past. That's very interesting. I never actually got around to summoning a demon that didn't um, uh, fit to my alignment. Uh, so I'm assuming mm-hmm. so neutral, you can seem to summon no matter what, like they don't care. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I was able to have neutral demons in my party all the way up to the end. And also, as a neutral player, I could have everybody in my party. They were can, they were totally fine. You get the best of three worlds. It's, yes. it's pretty good. Pretty good deal for you. Because I, I can tell you, there was. I might as well go into this now. This section, this whole next, let's say, three or four hours, if you're a good player, probably more than eight <laughs> ten, um, is not very kind to people on the law path. There are not a lot of good law demons. A lot of the fusions I could make with the demons I had led to chaos demons for some reason. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a struggle, but eventually, end game wise, you end up getting a lot of really powerful law demons, and it balances out. But there's a mm. just a just a bit where the demon summoning for law route is a bit of a pain of the ass. Uh, so Endo Ozuno tells you to um, 
go back and retrieve uh, powerful weapons from the specters hidden in another part of the dungeon. And uh, he sends you out there without um, your other buddies. Uh, I was on the chaos path. Um, so you find the blue specter. I guess if you're uh, law or neutral aligned, the blue specter says our alignments do not match. So we must fight. Um, I was chaos aligned. So uh, the blue specter treats you as an ally and gives you the guillotine math axe. And it also means that you can uh, skip the upcoming boss fight. But if you didn't take that path, um, you got to do battle with blue specter. The blue specter hits harder than Thor, but it's pretty easy if you have like uh, four twenty plus level demons. Yeah, you uh, get the guillotine axe for that, which apparently you can't wield as a neutral uh, player. Yeah, and I assume it's chaos as well. You can't wield it, or um, sorry, is, is the blue specter chaos or order or chaos or order? Uh, blue specter is chaos because. Uh, Look at the color blue and tell me that's not good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah that clearly. makes sense. And the guillotine axe doesn't no, seem particularly, it, you know. Good. Yeah, if you were because I am the chaos player and uh, they treat you as an ally. So this is kind of a thing that I don't believe you've brought up in any of the other episodes so far. It's come out in recent years that a lot of the designers and writers for the series have basically said. Uh, the American and Western players tend to view chaos as the more relatable side in things, and law tends to be the one preferred by the Japanese players as a weird cultural difference. Hmm. And I think this kind of comes down to an early version of that, where, you know, you think guillotine, you're probably thinking your French revolutions and other things, which were not very orderly. No. no. It also huh. bears noticing that the law weapon we're about to discuss is very much a Japanese weapon. Oh, yeah, definitely. So just something to think about. I mean, just speaking for myself and not speaking at all to like anything cultural about the Japanese, but law always comes across like chaos comes across as extremely brutal and dangerous and just bad for people. But mm-hmm. Or chaos does, but law always seems to come across as like borderline genocidal in a lot of cases. Yeah. Like a lot of the law endings are in, and you'll see this in a lot of the other games, so it's not really a spoiler. A lot of the law endings come down to God just destroying every human on earth and starting over. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the chaos is sort of like, you know, like in the later games, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, demons are going to run things and it's going to be like hell on Earth, basically, you know, get to, like, decide your own fate or whatever. Yeah, it's a free will versus, uh, you know, determinism, yeah. Predestination. Essentially, you're choosing between uh, chaos is Mad Max, law is no <laughs> flood, and neutral is like libertarian paradise. No gods, no no rules. No gods, no managers. Neutral, uh, <laughs> neutral varies wild. Or, or as we said in uh, previous notes, uh, the South Park, uh, the South Park uh, yeah. approach. Although in, in most games, where that plays out is neutral's like, oh no no, I hate both of you. Both of you are terrible. I'm going to kill everybody, and then just let let people figure it out. Um, you know, we already we're gonna get uh, we are we already got the god kills everybody in the law route. I mean, the the Thor storyline, like they basically told you that's what God was doing. It's bringing mm-hmm. on the apocalypse. Oh yeah, nuclear weapons. Yeah, we've we've reached that part already. 
And I mean, obviously, it goes on further in the rest of the game, but we basically hit the main story point for that. Anyway, so what anyway. else we got for this uh, dungeon here? Well, you uh, then you come across the uh, Red Spectre. What? Who, no uh, way! You're telling me there's a Blue Spectre <laughs> and a Red? That's a shocking Really? Really? Um, it, Seriously? It, it, it articulates the exact same way, but for the opposite round. You just fight, and it's it's not like a, these weren't difficult fights. I don't remember them being. No. Well, you know, Red Spectre is uh, you know definitely uh, a fan of um, you know doesn't doesn't use mince words very much. Uh, Red Spectre says, uh, "We don't match, therefore die." <laughs> oh yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah. And so the Red Spectre drops the uh, Kodachi of Light, which I guess you can't wield as a neutral. Uh, so, Fletch, uh, what's the... Uh, do you know a little bit about the Japanese context for that? Uh, I can't place it with anything, and I don't feel like being stupid and handling a sword at the moment. So, no, I'm just going to say I know nothing about this as a cultural context. Okay. Cool. I know it's a weapon in other games, other SMT games. Yeah, I, there may be something. You know what? I'm actually going to quietly look this up. Okay. Let's see if oh, there's, let's see if there's another right, translation thanks. that might fit here. Uh, so in the meantime, while uh, Fletch looks that up. Um, My, the boss fight your... that almost broke me <laughs> on the way out of here. Well, okay. So <laughs> did we mention when uh, uh, when he sends you to fight the blue specter and the red specter that he just he sends your buddies away? Yeah, he, we did. Which, which mm. just fucking bothers me. Like, he doesn't even tell you. But do you find out what their errand ever is? Oh, he no, He just no, says, I have all. an errand for them. And they're just gone. And that... Oh. I just remember to heap onto all the bullshit of this dungeon. Not only does he do that, but actually when he made you get the Soma earlier. I think oh, we yeah! As soon as you get it, he's like, oh, man, you know what? I'm still thirsty. Go back and do the exact same thing, but again. <laughs> like, Nothing's okay. different. Okay, Devin, I've beaten the game now. And even though in the moment that is such bullshit, it wins the award for my favorite SMT fuck you. <laughs> it's just so obviously just wasting your time. Like the game doesn't because when you complete the task, he doesn't even take it from you. He just gives you a Soma. And it's like, yeah. why didn't you just say, you know what? I think you should have some go get your own and just like, you know, have. Some. But no, you have to pretend it's for you, you asshole. Ugh. OK, so we're All at right. a boss fight. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Zenki and Goki. Not Goku, but Goki. So um, these guys, before we got to this boss fight, they acted as your your terminal, and they acted as your Kaifuku for the, the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, so basically, these these uh, bits of safety are now thrown in your face. Yeah. Comical irony. Yeah, and uh, Zenki's wearing kind of like, you know, he's kind of got like a karate gi or whatever, uh, uh, but he's a blue demon uh, with green hair. And then uh, his buddy is this little short red guy, hair over his face, and a giant unicorn ass horn. He is a texture swap of the monster that that uh, ate your mom. True. Uh, true. I didn't make that connection. Yeah. So uh, Goki hits multiple times per turn. He silences you and he heal, heals him and his buddy. He casts defense up and uh, shocks you. And uh, if you want to take him on, you need attack up and uh, enemy accuracy, um, which uh, makes the fight pretty easy. 
this is uh, this is the first time. I mean, the game felt like it was really pushing the mechanics on you. Like you, this is the study of the battle mechanics. You're not getting out of here without them. You're going to need them for the rest of the game moment. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. In hindsight, in the moment, I was mad. <laughs> this is actually something I didn't realize until we started talking earlier about this dungeon. I didn't realize how much easier I had it than you guys because – so as neutral, I can summon any demon, which means it's much easier for me to find yeah. demons that have attack up, defense up, those kind of spells that just oh. kind of break half the bosses. Most Actually, no, all the bosses in this game are broken if you have a couple of the right demons. So it's easier to fuse those. And on top of that, because neutral involves having to kill everything, at this point I've fought another boss than you – I've fought two more bosses than you guys have. Yeah, so you so have, I have all that experience. Extra yeah. Uh, which uh, will probably be just a recurring theme throughout the rest of this podcast. I mean, eventually, <laughs> like, I at, at some point, you know, have we talked about how just random encounters give nothing for experience in this game? By a certain point, there's just, it takes a long time to gain a level just by fighting rando battles. Yeah, and later oh, on, yeah, rando yeah. battles get so difficult. And uh, I was, at a certain point, I just uh, decided throughout the rest of the game, just like, fuck random battles, I'm only fighting bosses, because it was the only thing worth the time. Well, I mean, you know, for a lot of it, I would just, like, go to auto battle. Um, That's partially because the encounter rate is just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, it's It's asinine. I thought Mega Ten 2, I thought Mega Ten 1 was asinine. This one's really asinine. Like, they amped it up like crazy. And again, it's, 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 it's one of those things where it's like perspective is fucked up a little because, you know, we think about Mega Ten 1 and 2 as earlier, but we played the remakes that came out after Shin Megami Tensei 2. And Mm. it it throws off what we expect because I'm sure the encounter rates of the original Megami Tensei 1 and 2 were probably just as bad as this. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, with uh, Goki and Zenki defeated, Endo Ozuno, who uh, I actually just looked up his kind of like mythological or historical figure. Uh, And uh, Endo Ozuno, he was a uh, Japanese ascetic and mystic around um, 700 uh, AD. And uh, he was traditionally held to be the founder of Shugendo, the path of ascetic training. Uh, practiced by the Gyoja. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I don't know what ascetic is. I'm sure I used to know what that means. Someone but. who is generally forsaking a lot of comforts. So, yes. Uh, yes. So we're out, right? We we warped, uh, we warped uh, Tokyo again. We're in ruined Tokyo. Um, 30 years in the future. He warns us that uh, the world has changed, and indeed it has. We wake up in a park. A man asks us for a lot of money, um, and you give it to him, <laughs> and he says, what the hell is this? This isn't Maka, because you've been carrying yen the entire game. The last mm-hmm. time you were alive was when there was a government in Japan, and that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's valueless. Which, uh, it kind of reminds me of a uh, Twilight Zone episode where a bunch of people uh, steal a bunch of gold and then uh, put themselves in uh, permanent, uh, put themselves uh, in in, uh, deep sleep for 100 years. And then when they come to, gold is worthless. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really Trek. like this. I really like this moment. Oh, it's a Star Trek. What? Uh, I said, or that episode of Star Trek where uh, the um, the Wall Street billionaire comes into the future and is, oh, why don't you guys have money? How much is my bank account worth? <laughs> oh, that's, Star Trek is a little bit more um, utopian than Shin Megami. A little bit, just a little. Um, so you uh, you hear a woman calling your name. It's a little bit of cutscene. Uh, your, your teammates don't hear a thing, but. Uh, you know, I think I think if you're smart, you can uh, you can figure out who that woman is. So we go on to the world map, and indeed, the world has been pretty much decimated. Buildings have collapsed. Roads are no longer in perfect condition. Bridges and other structures have fallen apart. Uh, there's the still there are ruins of the cities that we visited way back in the uh, in the before time. There's Shinjuku. We have to go there again. The mall is still pretty much perfectly intact. Uh, people, uh, well, I mean, I guess when you build an underground mall, it's kind of for emergencies in the first place, right? And that's going to continue through a lot of the series. Most of the places you meet that have shops and things will somehow be underground. Mm-hmm. I, mean, just, I mean, it's a smart move in this. Uh, I mean, someone must have sent a message out to the multiverse, to all Tokyos, like, hey, have you thought about building your malls underground? <laughs> <laughs> You know, just in case anything goes wrong. Are there a lot of underground malls in Japan, or is that just an SMT thing? There's a lot of them in Yakuza, which is supposed to be fairly realistic. And um, if, if my time playing, if my time playing Sim Tower, which was made by a Japanese guy, and uh, the sequel Ute Tower is any indication, like yeah, they definitely encourage you to develop retail space under any skyscraper. So, uh, I mean, in Japan, like there's there's so um, little space so they have to conserve i can understand how underground um extensions are maybe a economical necessity yeah you can't put all of your malls in pennsylvania exactly so serg you said something about a sword yes i did a little bit of research on what the more official localizations had gone with for some of these And that area is known, when it shows up again later in the series, as the Diamond Realm. It's a very Buddhist concept. That one's not really relative to this. But the two weapons are Chaos has the Headsman's Axe and the Light Sword. Kodachi is not in any way connected to it. It's just a sword. So it's your generic Excalibur, etc. with katana art. Excalibur. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's see. Now that we're back in the mall, you probably have enough money to upgrade some crap. Uh, probably want to get some better armor, better guns. Oh, actually, no, wait. No, no, no. You just lost all your money. You're going to get money soon, though. You'll, you'll eventually have to upgrade everything. And, uh, you know, there were there didn't seem to be as many, like, cursed items in this game as in uh, Megami Tensai 2. Or at least I didn't find any. I, I didn't encounter any. Oh, one thing I do recommend, if any of you are playing along, or I guess if you're playing along, you've already played this part, but the mall sells nerve bullets, which put enemies to sleep. So uh, if you have nerve bullets and a semi, uh, semi-automatic machine gun uh, that can hit an enemy like three, four times a turn, oh, it yeah. completely breaks the next several bosses. Yeah, this that's like, those bullets are useful for a very long time. Also, one weird thing, I don't know if we pointed this out last episode, but they sell bullets and shotgun shells, and it doesn't matter what sort of gun you have, they both work with it. <laughs> Those kind of, you know, they're the adaptable bullets. Yeah. One size fits all. So pistol shells. So uh, we're just exploring Shibuya now. 
there's a terminal. There's a fusion mansion. I think those were there last time, too, but they're there again. Oh, wait, wait. Shibuya and Shijuku are different. Whoops. Uh, I forgot. Uh, so, yeah, you travel. You find Shibuya. You, it's a new uh, save point. And you have to start over on all your terminals. All the terminals fell off, and it's a new network. So you're starting off fresh from your save point list. Uh, a tiny man tells you the cathedral... Holy Land, the Messian Church, is near its completion. When it's completed, God himself will descend from the heavens there and bring an era of peace to the world. Long live the Messian Church. Uh, so we're really starting to get this division. Uh, you're, we're going to run into Gaians, Gaians really soon. Like They're going to start coming out in full force all over the place. Uh, they are clearly a much bigger power in the world now than when we left it. And how long has it been exactly? Well, you'll meet... Well, not meat, I guess, but you'll see a bank of red TVs tell you that the destruction of the world happened 30 years ago, and it was a trial by God to see who the faithful truly were. And like cockroaches, not even nuclear war can kill televangelists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, there's another, there's a priest. He tells you there's a rumor that their Messiah was possessed by a demon. He denies it, but says it's caused donations to decrease because nobody trusts them. Um, and he asked you for a thousand money and I couldn't find if that actually did anything in any way. I assume it just sort of makes you more law aligned. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there are, cause when you, uh, when you enter a, uh, a healer, that's not of your alignment, they'll ask you for a donation as well. And I assume that will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I cool. also believe that I saw a note relating to this and I did not follow up on it that the, Donation here ties in slightly to some of the extra scenes added in the GBA and iOS ports of this game. Huh. Yeah, I wonder what those are like. It's really hard to find Let's Plays of those. I looked over them, and I have some scripts. I'll probably bring up a lot of stuff in the next episode, just because we'll have context. Uh, so uh, you find a, you explore a little more, and you find a girl chained up and paralyzed. It was the woman calling for you earlier. But, uh, you know, some she's you're going to need help. You're going to need help to uh, rid this person of their demons. Um, and this is going to work a lot like uh, a science fiction film from before they really understand psychology, where they just sort of need to literally extract those demons from her brain. The only way you actually know what to do here is if you went back to um, if you went back to Shinjuku Mall and talked to people there because they'll Which tell you're you probably ex- gonna because it's closer to the save point or it's closer to the spawn point than Shibuya is definitely. Uh, but the, the thing I've noticed about SMT one that I really don't like is that in Megami Tensei one they rewarded you from explore, exploring a dungeon completely with uh, stat up items and they still do that here. But the thing that kind of drives me nuts about this game is if you don't have a fact. They reward you with critical um, mission information by exploring an entire level. Uh, so they oh really do expect God. you to explore every tile. And that gets so bad in the in the last few dungeons where you'll get to... I mean, I obviously, since I was following a, an FAQ, that you uh, have the answer before you get the question. But if I had uh, ascended eight levels of a really complicated dungeon, only to find, oh, there's a door that I don't have a key to, I would be <laughs> pretty fucking pissed. So, uh, going forward, we got to go back and find a man called the Psychotypher. <laughs> Best name in the series, so far, at least. Uh, you, uh, you, to do this, you got to go to the disco. Um, you remember that disco that wouldn't let you in way back when because you had too many demons on you? Well, you could go in because if you dismissed your demons, right, Evan? You did that? 
Oh, yeah. But this time they just let you in. You can pay the cover charge. You're cool enough. I guess there's just not enough people in the apocalypse to really populate a disco. There's demons everywhere now. Yeah, exactly. You just got to let anybody in, really. Go down to the disco and you find the guy. He's in the basement of the disco for some reason. Oh, yeah. So Psychodiver's locked up. He's under the control of Ozawa, the... um, if you recall Ozawa from the first act of the game, Chaos Hero was really pissed at him and trying to stop him. He's a gang leader. He's a probably Yakuza. He's just an all-around bad dude uh, controlling things for the sake of control and power. And Psychodiver is under his control. And he is brainwashing people for Ozawa. That's some bad news. So you got to go stop Ozawa. Finally, Chaos Hero is giving you a thumbs up right now. <laughs> and he uh, so but one when you do uh, talk to the psycho diver he does tell you a piece of information and that he knows that your soul is tied to another soul and oh ooh, who could that be um but you so you go on a search for ozawa and you find him uh chaos buddy calls him an asshole and then ozawa uh offended by that slight summons a demon kishin take minakata to fight you and uh he just sort of runs off and you're left to face uh, Kishin. I don't remember much about this fight. Oh, uh, so with this fight, what happens is um, as soon as he summons Kishin Takei Minatata, uh, basically the, your party is like, oh no, we can't fight this guy. And then you guys oh, run away. Yeah, yeah. That's the one where you're just, it's too powerful. And Chaos Buddy, oh yes. Chaos Buddy uh, gets an idea that if he fuses with a demon, he'll be powerful enough to defeat Take Minakata. And I assume Law Hero is all like, hey, buddy, you shouldn't do that. And he's like, what do you know of true power? I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it went. Ha! Uh, <laughs> so you go to a fusion mansion, and my understanding is it's not entirely random, because if you have chaos demons, I understand that he just picks the highest level chaos demon you have. For me, it worked exactly like that Bowser minigame in Mario Party, okay. where it just listed all of your demons and then just started scrolling until it slowed down and stopped on something. I had that, too. So, uh, Paul, do you, do you remember if it articulated differently for you at that point? I don't think it did. Okay, so maybe I had misinformation, but I, I got randomized. Um, I, he just picked a demon I, I didn't even care about. I hadn't used it in hours. So lucky me. But that can uh, apparently really fuck you up and he can use your most powerful demon because it includes the demons you're just carrying around in your party. That's how chaos works, man. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I got to respect and that's how chaos works. I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so, at the, so with the fusion, uh, he uh, gains about 10 levels of power, lots of random stat increases. You don't really control any of it. He's pretty great honestly, as a tool for just a little bit, because you'll see. Uh, you go back and you go and fight Ozawa's demon now. Again, I don't remember the actual fight. Is it hard? I remember it being easy. It's pretty easy, yeah. I mean, for me, it was a total, total um, pushover, because I just bought those sleep bullets at the mall. Oh, so yes. Every turn, I just had every one of my three heroes shoot him with sleep bullets, and he never attacked me once. I think at this point, I had... Um some pretty powerful magic on my demons, like attack magic that helped. But I, I honestly don't. I just remember this taking very few turns. This is one of those fights where I feel that the gimmick of you need to power up is completely wasted. And most people could probably take this guy out without the help. Yeah. It's also worth pointing out that if anyone listening has trouble with any boss in the entire game, uh, using electric spells on almost any enemy will usually stun them. 
Oh yeah, that becomes almost essential. And luckily, a uh, heroine who uh, is not in your party at the moment, but will join you again very soon. Uh, she has very powerful, well, not very powerful, but powerful enough to do some damage and sh- shock people. And that remains viable pretty much for the rest of the game once you have that again. Also, did we describe that this guy basically looks like Sinestro in a toga? No, that, that's a very good description. <laughs> just just wanted to get that out there. Okay, so you win. Um, after the fight, Ozawa begs you not to kill him. It doesn't matter what you choose. Chaos Hero will say that you're weak, step in, kills him, and then says, I'm out of the band. Uh, you free the psycho diver who was under Ozawa's control. He tells you that the voices in your head are from someone whose mind is being invaded by a demon. It's the girl chained up. We already found her. She's in the church. We gotta go. So he ag- <laughs> he agrees to help come help you cure her. The cure is, of course, psycho diving. Yes. Yeah, so oh, can we just make? Can I just make a point? Uh, make are you about to say psycho diver lost alone in the midnight sea? I was actually going to say it sounded like a uh, Judas Priest song, but yeah. <laughs> Dio, Judas Priest, well, similar. Yeah, Dio. Yeah, I was just going yeah, to go so, with, as a dude training for this field. God, I wish it worked like video games made it sound. Psycho diving? You're training to be a psycho diver? Oh yeah, totally. It's not how it works in Psychonauts. SMT gets it wrong. There's a whole lot more machines. It's really kind of. Oh, that's you know that is a little bit of a bummer. I think I'll just live in the the fantasy of the fiction. Yeah, sorry. We gotta go psycho dive. Yes, yeah, so we're going right back to uh, Shibuya, the uh, Law and Order stronghold. Uh, make your way back up to the woman that was locked up and paralyzed. Uh, along the way, if you didn't get all the way to her the first time, uh, you'll find people that'll tell you, "Oh, this is our Messiah. There's a demon in her. It's so unfortunate. It's it's terrible." Uh, so you and the diver go into her brain. Uh, her brain looks exactly like that first area we played today and like the dream world, only a little bit less wavy. Um, in the mind, the diver tells you that he senses a black fog in her soul, uh, something he's never seen before, and he's too scared to go forward. It's a little bit of a bummer that they couldn't do something a little more psychedelic for these mind weirdo ethereal segments. Not that yeah, there's I get that the- many. But. I get that it was the Super Nintendo and fidelity was limited, but mm-hmm. I've, I've played Contra and games that had like way trippier stuff than this. Yeah, like Earthbound. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. But yeah. it's just like we're just getting red walls. That's what's inside your brain. Red and blue walls. Uh, so, yeah, once you're in her mind, uh, if you explore the area a little bit, um, 
you'll find visions of her being sacrificed, uh, different visions of your interactions with her during the game. Uh, the first one you see is her being sacrificed in the dream by the cultists. Uh, she shows up after... You, Basically, the cultists run away. It's a recreation of your dream. And she tells you, this is the first time you rescued me. As soon as I knew you were there, I wasn't afraid anymore. Uh, well, the yeah, second one, you start seeing her weird-ass memories. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, again, like you are in her, in her mind. Um, I'm not going to go into the mechanics of this dungeon. It's dumb. It's a teleport dungeon. You have to find the square that teleports you to the next part of the dungeon, and you have to do that four times. And it goes red, blue, red, blue. Yes. Uh, the second vision you see is when she was um, about to be burned alive by um, U- uh, Yuriko uh, and the military. Uh, she thanks you again, says that she knew you had some sort of connection with her. And then the third vision is an image of her as a young girl in the Messian church, uh, which is the first indication you get that, like, this might not be the exact same neutral buddy that you had in your dreams and in the first game, the first part of the game, uh, she's being preached to by a nun and the nun says that she is the chosen one chosen by God, the Messiah of the world. So once, once you've had that third vision, uh, you don't actually have to do them. It's totally optional. Uh, once you work your way to the center of her brain, you encounter Arachne who, uh, tells you that she's really upset because she was finally having some fun. And then you came along and just spoiled it for her. This is probably one of my favorite sprites in the entire in the entire oh, it's, game. It's pretty fantastic. I, I'm looking at it now. I think the woman from the ring got into a tanning bed, grew baraka arms, and is shitting out spider silk. Mm. <laughs> like yes, there is a very visible butt crack, and there is no ambiguity from where that string originates from. There's yes. Overwatch levels of ass cleavage. <laughs> I do. I really love the insect arms because it's like a spider woman, but only her front arms are spider arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like kind of like claw. Uh, think like a praying mantis arm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so at the end of the dungeon, she is there. Um, she's she's a more nuanced boss than some of the ones before that. She's still pretty simple, but um, uh, she casts two things that can kind of throw your uh, your pre planning out of whack. Uh, she'll sleep. She'll cast sleep on your healers, and she'll also cast charm on them. Uh, actually, she casts it on anybody, but if it happens to land on a healer and you're doing a critical heal, that can kind of fuck you up. So, yeah, this was this one. I think this one was more of a war of attrition for me than anything else. I still hadn't definitely. quite uh, upgraded my demons to to handle this kind of stuff. Very shortly after this, I finally got somebody who had uh, some uh, attack up and defense up spells. But at this point, oh man, I just was healing as fast as I could and hitting as hard as I could, but it was real low on both ends. Mm-hmm. Well, she's also one of the only bosses in this game that resist most uh, incapacitating uh, status ailments. Um, I don't know about uh, lightning, because I didn't have anyone in my crew that could resist that, uh, but she resists sleep, uh, paralyze, um, the happy ailment that you can get. Uh, so yeah, it basically came down to keeping enough healers around to mitigate the risk that she suddenly paralyzes a couple of them. Uh, once you're done with her, the neutral buddy will show up and she will thank you for uh, saving her. Uh, which, again, keeping with the SMT fuck you moments, uh, this is a very long dungeon um, and there are no demons after you kill her. You have to backtrack every single step, every single teleport pad all the way back to the entrance uh, because the only person that can actually teleport you back to the entrance of a dungeon is the person you just rescued who you're in her body so she can't really help you. 
for me, this really sucked because I had demons that were a little bit higher level than the demons that were dropping uh, mag from random encounters. And the thing about this game that really stinks when you lose mag, it's not the HP that gets lost. It's that the game pauses for like a second every time you take a step. So it slows the game down so much. Oh, God, it does. um, And when you have, it does the same thing with Paralyze in the world map. Yeah, which it's, is, it's, oh my god, the animation is just so drawn out. Yeah, it's because whenever you take damage, it rolls it down every single character that takes it, and it does one at a time each animation. But uh, so once you backtrack and deal with that whole thing, and it takes forever, um, you get out of her body, and then she recognizes you. Uh, she looks a little bit different. She looks a little bit more badass, and she tells you that she was reborn after she died to save you all, and that her soul, her fate is is uh, bonded to yours. She's going to come join you, and she's going to stick around forever. Hmm. Brian will know if that's true or not, but uh, yeah, no, no, she does. But this is she's oh, your cool. companion until the end of the game. Yeah, I actually, I don't think they do. Uh, you know, the, one of those dick moves like in Megami Tensei Two, where you sleep because of some flowers and steal your girlfriend or anything. That's uh, good because she is easily the most useful hero out of any of them for me. Oh yeah, no, she totally is, and she's designed that way. I think because yeah. they knew she would be your end game character. Possibly the only one you have, depending on which route. Uh huh. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we pretty much got through that the one section where they're going to take her away from you. You had her. They gave her. They gave you the teaser section where it's like, taste this power. They took her away. Here's your power back, and we're gold. And at this point, we come to Rapungi, which is a, another major city, and it is under a barrier. We're going to have to enter via a tunnel. There's a whole town here, there's shops, there's a terminal, there's, you know, amenities. Nobody is in the shops, however, which means you're not going to get an upgrade right out the gate. You know, while we're on the topic of traversing towns real quick, I really wish there was a world map in this game. Because I can't navigate this this map for some reason. It is just, it all looks the same. Well, you better get ready for, uh... <laughs> yeah. I don't because uh, for uh, this uh, map coming back uh, up until uh, 2016. Yay! With yeah. no world map, no oh, overarching like thing with labels to tell you places <laughs> you've already <laughs> <been>. <laughs> That's a bummer to hear. Yes. Uh, they they like, zoom out, and they're more... The, the problem with this game is everything looks the same. Yeah. Uh, in some of the other games, there's enough landmarks and un- unique things that it's easier to tell where you're going. Okay, I can deal with that. Yeah, it's mostly, yeah, and, mostly and that there's game, nothing to, to distinguish anything else. In this game, it looks kind of like a really shitty early NES, like, uh, or early SNES, um, strategy RPG or something. Um, it becomes more distinctive in future games. And also, on my list of wants, that I don't even think that cracks the top five from this <laughs> series. Number, number one, one is, is compendium. A, <laughs> compendium is up there. My number one is better conversation system for the mm. demons. I just, oh, ugh, yeah. I want it just to be a little better. Give me better feedback. Oh, you will, you will get that. You haven't even seen the experiments yet. Oh no, I haven't. <laughs> so okay, we're in Rapungi. We got a barrier to get through. And yeah, you circumvent the barrier by heading in via a tunnel underneath. Because this is one of those barriers that's just above ground. It's not actually a sphere. It's a dome. So, yeah, nobody's actually in the shops, and a lot of people will tell you this place is an oasis, peaceful, etc. 
And where things start to get a little funky is that you are going to run into a familiar face in the bar. It's the law hero's girlfriend, and his immediate reaction is, why did you not age in 30 years' time after a nuclear war? Which, you know, to be fair, kind of reasonable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would be on one of the first questions I would ask her probably as well if I saw her. Although yeah, I guess she, she could probably give you the same crap. <laughs> allows allows inside the mind of a demon world. Um, what, what do you even classify? It's just like a peace realm? Diamond realm, I believe they refer diamond to Diamond realm. I was in a diamond realm for 30 years. Yeah. Kind of like Goku when he was training at the end of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> Except the opposite, I guess. I, I'm not even going to pretend I know that one. Um, you, you, I mean, okay, I've never yeah. read Dragon Ball Z. How do I know this? So the at hyperbolic the, time chamber. Yeah, like he goes to train at the end of Dragon Ball Z. Like he's got to beat, who's the bad guy at the end of Dragon Ball Z? He blows up the world? I don't know. There's a couple of them. Uh, the, he, he goes, to, this is, I'm ashamed of how much I love Dragon Ball Z. Uh, <laughs> he goes into the hyperbolic time chamber to, cha- to train up with um, Gohan to beat Cell. Cell, yeah, because and the, they go in and it's like a year for every day, and they're like, maybe we should stay another day, but they aren't sure because Cell might blow. So, which Dragon Quest boss am I supposed to use as reference here? That's um, that's all the Toriyama <laughs> I know. Is there a, is there a demon chariot in Dragon Quest? Yes. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um. So where, where are we at? We uh. We yeah, run we're into in the middle of the bar. We've right? discovered the law hero's girlfriend and. You know, when she recognizes you, she's like, uh, oh, you're not walking corpses like all of us. And at this point, <laughs> your response is, of course, what? So she explains that the town is so peaceful because it is nothing but reanimated corpses kept alive by the Red Count and the Black Baron. Some of you are immediately going to get certain vibes off of this. Don't worry, they'll get further. Uh, she remains uh, with her memories as a human, so she's locked up, and she is a bodyconian and cannot die. You will actually have to give her a soul incense, a very rare, pretty potent stat-up item, uh, if you want to allow her that sweet release. And that's actually the same item in Megami Tensei 2 that I think you used to uh, resurrect uh, Izanami in Hell. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yep. I mean, okay, you know, guys, did I ex- talk about how much I I, I'm, I really like the idea of a bodyconian? It's a pretty, I, I think it's a pretty evocative idea. Like this undead creature that's defined by the dress she wears. <laughs> like as if it's just become part of her monster identity. That's pretty weird. I mean, that's a huge part of Japanese folklore is dead women who ha- are defined by one item of cloth on their body. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. That actually explains why there's so many undead women in this game that are like, it's kind of messed up, but they'll be called things like a man eater or like something like that. It'll be, they'll be dressed up like they're going to a nightclub. Oh, what about evil prostitute? Oh, what's that that (laughs) one called? Uh, Like, I remember I was on the, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. And it said the, the, this is Japanese for evil prostitute. And it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. awesome. And I have to look it up. Keep anyhow. So she cannot die, and as you're wandering around, you run into a little girl named Alice, and it becomes much more on the nose. So the Red Count and the Black Baron made the town for her. She promises to let you meet them, 
Red tells you Alice is the one thing that makes him happy, and he gives his everything to keep her running around, enjoying herself. And meanwhile, well, it's worth oh. it's it's worth pointing out that this entire area has the aesthetic of like the most European sort of French style luxury ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice is like a blonde little girl dressed up in frills, and like everything here kind of looks like European royalty. Though it does like kind of evoke uh, like Kubrick, like The Shining or uh, the end of 2001 in certain ways. And if you know the series, yes, it's that Alice. So you kind of know where this is going. If not, we'll describe this for you in a little more detail. Uh, Alice will ask you to go buy a toy for her from the junk shop. And when you come back with it, she says you need to die for her. Throws a tantrum and hope, you know, she was doing it out of a sense of pleasantness. She just wanted you to die so you could be reanimated and stay with her forever like everyone else here. But that's sort of the problem. And yeah, if you don't know the series, Alice is a recurring, incredibly powerful character who has one of the most high end dark insta death spells. Die for me. Yeah, think like that Twilight Zone episode to bring back. The reference we talked about earlier. I think that Twilight Zone episode where the kid essentially becomes God. Uh, yeah, it's a good. Th- it's a good life. Yeah, it's it's a good life. Yeah. Oh, you mean that Simpsons episode where Bart's God? <laughs> I just want you to That's know actually I'm the first choking time I was you out with my mind it. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys. I, confession: I haven't seen much Twilight Zone. I think Twilight Zone is a better series to go on to Wikipedia and read what the plot synopsis is for the episode than to actually watch it. I, you, I like you know, Twilight. in Futurama, this is, this is something we're going to have to disagree <laughs> on because I am um, pretty much obsessed. Like Twilight Zone would be like my top five shows of all time. So look, it holds look, up real well. I'm just saying, I think most of those episodes could easily be done in 11 minutes because there are so many scenes in Twilight Zone episodes where people are just like clearly talking around an idea so you don't know what the twist is. It gets you know, kind of frustrating, honestly. All right, we're not going to turn this into a uh, Twilight Zone <laughs> argument podcast, but the thing is, like, the best episodes are not really twist-related. They're more sure. about, like, psychological horror, and um, there's there's a lot of those episodes. And, I, get, uh, I totally get that. Here's all I, you I, I, I'll, I'll make you a list. <laughs> Here, I'll but it's give like you the ones single... that people are always, hey, I'm, I'm, are I'm, always I'm, like... Ex- nope, nope, we're stomping this out right now. I'm going to give you the one example <laughs> of Cycle Back, because I could do this for hours. This is all you need to know. It gave us a joke between John Lithgow and William Shatner that worked on about five levels, and it was great. There. Yes. All right. Anyway. So, because of uh, Alice's tantrum, the Red Count comes out, turns into a dragon rather than a mice bald dude in a suit, and he's... A dragon with excellent hair, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. He does. Remember Werewolf in London, and his hair was perfect? That's Belial. So this is a yet another gimmick boss fight. You do no damage to him. You have three rounds you need to survive. Then you run. And you head to the basement next, which we have not explored much of. You need a key item down here, a gushing jar, and there's a fuckload of traps. So, yep, we are still in that wizardry school of dungeon crawling here. Trap floors, shit that'll flip you, blah, blah, blah. Boring. Mr. Black Mm -hmm. is down here. He's pretty chill about it. And then you head upstairs. You know, you suck Belial into the jar. Alice is gone. 
Yuriko arrives again because she's a pain in your ass and even nukes can't kill her. And she wants Belial in a pot because <laughs> she has played a mystery dungeon game and knows what you can do with something like that. And she's also mysteriously unaged, mysteriously, you know, because she hasn't shown any kind of supernatural abilities yet, but it's been kind of wink, wink the entire time so far. And we'll touch more on Yuriko next episode because of the fact oh, that yes. there's a whole lot of added scenes involving her. That does not shock me. Yeah. In fact, I would have figured like that that's the one plot thread that could use a little more fleshing out. Yeah, we're we're being kind of coy about it, but yeah, she does not get a lot of explanation in the game. She just shows up a lot to irritate you as a constant thorn in your side. And she's got a whole arc that only gets conveyed in the remake. So yes, uh, Alice is gone, Yuriko takes her irritating place, and then the Black <laughs> Baron shows up and goes, Hey, you know what I need for giving you that pot? I'm going to need a soul. And he just yanks it right out of the Law Hero's body. Yeah, he tries to get everybody's soul. He's like, well, I guess I'll settle for one. Yeah, stupid god and soul protection. So now you need to run from the basement to the second floor where his soul will tell you from its prison, no, no, my body's somewhere in town. Uh, just kill that and I'll be cool. And you then go to the Black Baron or Nebiros as a boss. He's kind of a pain in the ass. He'll taunt you with, ah, I already killed your friend, so it's cool. He ain't got no body. And he will be one of the first guys who brings up Mudo. In this game, it is not yet an instant death spell. It is just a lot of dark damage, which hurts humans like a mother. So once you do that, your law buddy gets to walk around heaven and do whatever the hell you do when you die as the law hero. I don't know. We, you're going to see him again. You know how this works. Meanwhile, if you saved his girlfriend, she will actually show up for a brief cameo. If you didn't, he will bemoan that he could do nothing to save her. And I think it actually cuts off that quest if you kill Nibiros because of the fact that we've wiped out the revenants. It does. Because uh, with me... um. I didn't save her because I was getting a little bit too lawful at this point, so I figured I'd do something a little bit chaotic. Mm -hmm. um, I went back and checked in on her, and she was gone. Yeah. Like I said, they, they wipe out most of the revenants because you've just killed the two necromancers in town. And then some fellow with robes goes, this soul will ascend to heaven. <laughs> in that font. Let's just say it's in that font. <laughs> Forget that I just spoke that, and it's not a font. And at this point, the barrier around Rapongi falls.
All right, so now you're in the uh, Great Fork. Uh, with the barrier down, you can find your way into an underground complex. And uh, the Great Fork uh, acts as like a connection between multiple towns. It's uh, an old subway system. And so from there, you can get to uh, Rapongi, Ginza, the police station, and Ikebukuru. Um, and once you're in there, uh, you come across Law Buddy's ghost. If you were wondering if you would see him again, you uh, see him pretty damn soon. Surprise! <laughs> um, so he asks you a favor, and uh, within the police headquarters, uh, there are rebel cops, and uh, he wants you to stop them. Makes sense. And. Uh, you find that uh, Steven is here, and he gives you an upgrade that lets you summon more demons at once. Guys, I think I fucked up, and I think I skipped this Steven encounter. Oh. Yeah, this is meant to... Because um, one thing that, you, that anyone playing along would have noticed by now is that uh, unless you have at least two buddies on your team, like the neutral, the chaos, those guys, unless you have at least two of them on your team, you can't summon demons to fill out your roster until you encounter Steven. Who then lets you fill out your roster with only one buddy? So my 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 condolences, Brian. No, wait, wait, wait. This is the you can have four demons on the field upgrade. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I missed the next one, which allowed you to have oh. ten in your bank. Right. Yeah. So I had a, I had a shortened bank for the rest of the game. I, it wasn't the biggest deal in the world, but I sure felt it at the end. Okay. Yeah, the bank is. Yeah. If you had missed this one, I would. It's like wow. Oh yeah. No, this would have. This would have really sucked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one had, lets you have, like, you know, a reasonable number of demons. Um, so, you, uh, where else do we go? You, you're at the Great oh, Fork, you connect to Ginza. Yeah, you go to Ginza. And Ginza, you know, I mean, it's just, there's not much to do there. It's a uh, town, you got some shops, and you've got a terminal. Um, teleport around. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what's going on in Ginza. And- and with Ginza, there's actually a little bit of kind of a risk-reward thing because the game is trying to push you straight toward the north end of the Great Fork, uh, go straight to the police station. Uh, if you go to Ginza, which it, it doesn't give you an indication there's anything interesting over there. Uh, if you go to Ginza, the demons are way harder, uh, but you can upgrade with much stronger weapons. You can heal up. You can save. You can fuse new demons, uh, none of which you can do in the next area you're supposed to go to. Yeah, no, it's the first, like... Like, you you run into the town in the Shinguku Mall, but this is the first, like, new city where there's a bunch of stuff to help you progress in your quest. And, of course, yeah. uh, armor, all the, armor and weapons are very expensive here. All the amenities, if you have the money. Exactly. Rich people rule the world in the apocalypse, too. <laughs> uh, rich people and neutral people who kill every boss. Fair. Um, so you uh, you go to the police station at the north end of the fork after you stop in Ginza. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you miss that whole part. If you miss that part when you're actually playing this game with actual, you know, I have to save to a battery, then wow, you'd be screwed. Not that the police station is actually all that tough. It's pretty simple. It's a lot of dark zones. A lot of, uh, you know, cast Mapara so you can actually see where you're going kind of zones. Um, there are some whole traps. But the enemies themselves, like, I didn't have any problems with the ro- the robots, really. Did you guys? No. Nah. Uh, lightning yeah. takes nah. care of them pretty good. They're not that Auto- strong. There's one that uh, resists physical attacks, though. Oh, hold on. I- but the blind the blind zones are like my my bane in all three of these games that we've played so far. They're just, bad. Even, they're real bad. 
even though you can cast Mephara, like I still find them incredibly confusing. Well, it's like the map, even that part doesn't really show you where the walls are or anything. Yeah. So you just kind of have to like memorize weird map landmarks. It's dumb. It's not a great design. And yeah, I've got this weird like spatial block where I just get way too lost in these uh, in these like particularly the invisible dungeons, but oh, also sure. just even regular dungeons. Oh, no, it's it's I totally get it. It's not the easiest thing to do. Um, I suppose there's just like again, it's just it's a it's a lack of landmarks. You know, if, they, if there was just a bit more variety, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I love these. I absolutely love these, and I love their <laughs> bastard child that comes in later because I grew up playing dungeon crawlers, and it just feels right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we can't beat it out of you, so no. you can have that opinion. <laughs> and I, gar- I am going to try and force my way back onto this show when we do one of the later it's, uh, <laughs> games. Just, oh, sure. Oh, God, You're welcome anytime. You're welcome anytime. But, uh, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, in a positive way, like, Fletch, maybe you have uh, better, like, spatial memory than uh, I do. I, I mean, it's possible. I've literally been playing these since I was three in some fashion. <laughs> uh, yeah, we all got those things, you know, things that work our way into our game or DNA. Like, I'll always be good at platformers because that's just what I grew up with. I get it. So anyway, you're you're exploring this dungeon. There's a lot of good stat plus items uh, you're going to get, man, there are so many stat up items in this game because you have so many stats to manage, really. Mm-hmm. Um, at the top of the station, after killing a bunch of Robert cops, you meet a mad scientist at a terminal. He wants to use the Robert cops to kill everybody, humans and demons, and, uh, you know, let them all burn. So he's like, he's like the neutral god, I guess. Uh, there's a boss fight. It looks like uh, the guy from Power Rangers that gives them missions just on a computer, basically. He summons large waves of RoboCops. I believe there's uh, three waves, or is it just two? Two waves in him. So three waves, yeah, basically, but the last wave is just one enemy. Uh, first two waves are pretty much no problem. They're just really, you know, it's um, it's multiple enemy control, and the game has been kind of uh, weaning you on to this idea that you're going to encounter random enemies sometimes, that really it's more the numbers that are the problem than the actual enemy itself. Uh, and you just got to learn to manage large groups at this point. And usually your gun will do a good job if you have the right gun. First wave is a uh, spider cop. Second wave is the other ones that look more like uh, metal gears. And then uh, it's him. He hits real hard. You can give this system shock. What does that mean? I don't remember that. His name, sorry, this is me trying to make a really shitty joke. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know System Shock. Sorry. Uh, the, the name of this boss is the Machine Defense System, and the easiest way to counter him is to shock him. So I thought I'd throw a fun System Shock joke in the notes, <laughs> which totally totally hit a wall. It's a, Well, that's why this should have been your section, but that's fine. <laughs> so anyway, after you defeat this computer, you basically like reach into his circuitry and rip out his guts and steal his memory board. And uh, you can uh, you'll be able to trade that to Steven for an upgrade we already mentioned earlier. Yeah, the one that lets you summon more demons. And with that, you're done with the police station. Honestly, it's really not that big a deal. It's not a good dungeon, but it's pretty quick. You're out. You're in and out pretty fast. Yeah, not only is it not a good dungeon, it doesn't really seem to fit with the tone of the game very well. Like it's the, odd. It's a short it, story. Like there's they, this exactly. is the short story section of the game. We had the it, Alice short story, which worked fine. 
this seems to exist entirely to make the law hero seem more of a philanthropist. Because uh, so far, his entire like lawful interaction with you has been, well, I like my girlfriend and I don't want her to die. And um, hey, maybe be less of a dick, but I'm not going to stop you. Like, so this is him kind of saying, hey, I'm dead, but I want you to stop these cops are going to kill everybody. So, yeah, like I. I, I kind of get why they felt like they had to justify that he's a good guy or an orderly guy in here, but so yeah, well, no, he also had to get the uh, you know given the uh, given the era, like you had to get the uh, obligatory cyberpunk element in there. You're literally carrying around a computer that summons demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I also uh, feel like in later games this would have explicitly been something the law hero was tied to as part of. Well, robot soldiers who will carry out God's will. Yeah, so once you are done with all the Robert cops, uh, you head back to Ginza. Uh, this is the next major area. You'll find uh, there's a couple There's a couple shops, uh, same, th- same thing we talked about earlier. Uh, there's a couple stat-up items in the main town, but uh, the big thing is on uh, floor B2 down in the basement. Uh, you'll find Steven has a little office there. Uh, this is where he will be shocked that you're not dead yet and you haven't been possessed by a demon, and then he'll plug your... Plug the RAM you ripped out of that poor computer into your comp, uh, bringing you up to ten demons like we talked about. At the beginning of this game, you get the demon summoning tool because you receive an email from this man. So you guys have been like friends on the internet for some time now. No, no, he sent that to everyone. Yeah, there's someone in there's someone in the original part of town who says that they got the email and went, "What the hell is this?" and threw it out. You have the demon, demon summoning program because you're the kind of idiot that opens an EXE file sent by an anonymous person by email. Okay, so this I did not realize that the, the devil summoning software was distributed via Nigerian prince. Yes. No, no, Stephen uh, didn't choose you or anything. He just sent it to everyone and went, this is the only way that we're going to save the world. Wow. Okay, never mind. My question is invalid. Continue on about Ginza and this upgrade I didn't get. <laughs> yeah, so keeping with the theme of everybody getting this software, um, a little bit later in this dungeon, you will find a demon summoner who uh, tries to extort you for ten grand to get out of Ginza. Uh, if you tell him yes, you pay up and he lets you out. If you tell him no, he summons a bunch of incredibly weak-ass demons. Um, some of them are demons from like two areas ago. Uh, one wave of demons are demons from this area, but they're a total pushover. As soon as you're done, he, he decides that you're his boss. He starts calling you boss. He lets you through. He's, oh, don't let me get in your way. Uh, so obviously it's in your best interest to kill him or kill his demons. What I do like about this, though, is that it um, it shows how you're not exactly special in this game. Yeah, because like in Megami Tensai one and two, like you were the one who had the ability to do that. No one else did, really. Oh, yeah. Like one and two were totally drenched in that really shitty like, oh, I'm the gifted kid and nobody gets me. And these kids that aren't quite as gifted as me are causing so many problems. Yeah, this 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 is a little bit better about that. Yeah. So I I, I like this. And like we're going to we're, we're going to run into a few demon summoners throughout the game like this becomes a recurring motif for a few dungeons. Yeah, so uh, once you're out in the world, exp- you explore around for a little bit, or you follow the fact and go directly to the next town, uh, you will eventually find uh, Shinagawa. Uh, it's another town a little bit more robust than Ginza. It has um, uh, more healers, more things like that. Uh, there is a very long combat dungeon above it. 
Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this because I found this dungeon incredibly dull and boring. Uh, the demons weren't quite at that really hard, frustrating level yet, and there weren't really any traps or anything interesting. Uh, but you will find a sword called the Kusanagi. Uh, it's incredibly weak. It's probably weaker than the swords that demons are dropping right now. Uh, but if you played other Shimagame games, the Kusanagi is something that comes up a couple of times. Uh, and it's also something that the fact I was reading promised would be better later, so I hung on to it. It's because it's, I believe, the first sword drop you can get in the game that will allow you to perform a fusion. Huh. You can actually so this game has- fuse certain swords with the element class of demon to become more powerful weapons. That's awesome. That that's something that they do in um, Soul Hackers, which is a really cool mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I did not know that was here this early. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it doesn't show up, but yeah, if you're at the cathedral or the church or whichever fusion area you head to, you can go in and there will be an option to fuse a weapon. And if you've been looking at it for most of the game, it won't do anything because you have no applicable weapons. And this is the first drop you get that will actually let you plug that in. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, for Law Path, Shinagawa has a secondary function besides just being a stop on your checklist. Uh, this is the where Law Hero's ghost ends up residing semi-permanently until the end of the game. So it, uh, it sort of becomes a hub for the Law Hero missions for a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, so um, if you aren't the law, if you aren't on the law path and you're on the neutral path, uh, it's mostly a uh, unremarkable dungeon with stat plus items. On the top of the dungeon, you'll find a demon summoner, another one. Uh, he confronts you, uh, tells, asks you if you think you're better than him, and then he'll summon three waves of demons. Uh, the first two are pretty easy. Again, they're demons from the last area you just came from. Uh, the third wave is a lot harder. I don't remember the exact demons that he summons, but they have tons of HP and they can freeze you, uh, which a freeze isn't as bad as in, as some of the other status ailments. It basically just um, prevents you from acting for the next turn. Uh, once you get rid of all of them, you get the MacGuffin that lets you out of... Uh, Actually, it says, sorry, whoever wrote that, could you just speak to that? Because I don't remember the what The four-door gym. You uh, need it to conquer um, a set of enemies much later in the game. We're not even going to get to it this episode. So you don't even actually know what the function is of that yet, Evan, personally, you. Yeah, um, I have no idea. But They that, dropped something, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I got, I got a key item. Yep, it's important to beat the game. It's not important now, and you don't even have the question that it is the answer to. Uh, good to know. Uh, yeah, so with the summoner down, you are done in Shinagawa. Uh, if you go back to the Great Fork, uh, you've explored all most of the paths of it. Uh, once you head back to the Great Fork, um, I don't know if this happens for everybody on every path, but for my path, uh, the Chaos Buddy shows up again. Uh, uh, he had abandoned you a little bit earlier, uh, saying that you weren't quite strong enough. Um, he jokingly challenges you to a fight and that he asks you if you want to fight him, and then no matter what you say, he says he's kidding. Uh, and then tells you to stay away from Ikibukuro. Uh, so yeah, you head out of the Grand Fork, the underground subway system, and you're back at the surface. After a bit of exploring, you find Ikibur- Ikibukuro. As soon as you show up to the surface there, you get arrested by uh, your Chaos Buddy. Uh, so hmm. uh, just real quick, uh, that path to Ikibukuro that uh, Chaos Buddy is blocking, um, you can't cross that threshold before you take care of the police station. Oh, really? um, yeah, if you try, you'll run into another NPC who basically just says he's scavenging for stuff, but uh, he won't clear. He won't let you go past until you uh, just clear out the police station and take care of that boss. 
Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so once you're in Ikebukuro, um, the uh, Chaos Buddy uh, will show up and arrest you. Uh, he says he's taking you to Emperor Inma, uh, Emperor Inma, Lord Yama, on charges of manipulating demons, which he's he's not wrong. He's <laughs> been manipulating, killing, fusing, tricking demons this entire game. Uh, so once you get up to the court, uh, Yama uh, announces court is in session. He accuses you of using uh, computers and programs to summon and bind demons uh, to force them to do your will. Guilty and, as charged. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Guilty yeah. as charged. And um, if you're chaos aligned at this point, uh, Lord Yama will decide that you have been using demons to spread the ideals of chaos and uh, judge you not guilty. So, um, so, but it's like not guilty on technicality because you did yeah, totally yeah. did the thing he just said. <laughs> it's it shows the uh, limitations of the justice system in this world. Exactly. Um, Fair yeah, uh, you know, so he'll uh, judge you not guilty, and uh, you can just take off and uh, explore Ikebukuru uh, on your own. Yeah, if you're taking the neutral path, you're given a choice. Um, Basically, you get to decide, like, are you going to go the law path or are you going to go the neutral path a little bit or the chaotic path a little bit more? I went with the chaotic one because I had been a little bit too lawful lately. Uh, so I said, yeah, you know what? I am going to dis- he just he basically cuts you a deal. He says, OK, you're guilty as hell. You have two choices. You could either face whatever the punishment is for this, uh, which I assume is probably the entire dungeon going hostile, or you can destroy the Messian cathedral that's being built, and he will, um, and that will prove to him that you were using demons for honorable ends. Oh, that's pretty uh, cool. That's what I did, mostly because I was, um, I was crunching to finish this in time for the episode, so I was like, that sounds easier than fighting my way through four floors of these jerks. So, um... Yeah, if you're yeah. on the law path, you kind of just have to. You just have to do the dungeon. <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, like for my path, uh, the chaos buddy was like, oh, man, I'm glad you weren't guilty. That's great. I like you. Glad you're not guilty. Glad you're not getting executed. And then, um, yeah, if, if you go that path, there's not really much to do. There's a couple of key items, but it's it's not much of an interesting dungeon aside from that. So, yeah, um, I'm kind of glad that this happened now because we can basically go ahead and say that, you know, next episode, uh, me, Evan, and Paul's experience are going to start diverging pretty hard. Sir, what uh, what path are you on again? I forget. I went with neutral because it had me interact with everything the most. Ah, fair enough. So I uh, will so have yeah, seen but... every dungeon. Cool, cool. Yeah, so there's a... It'll articulate a bit differently in the next episode. We're probably going to have to, like, round table a lot to make sure that everything gets out. But, you know, just putting that out there. So uh, that's pretty much done. Uh, we're done with Ikebukuro, pretty much, aren't we? Uh, yeah, that was it for me. I just... Had a nice stroll out, got some items, healed up on the way out. So at this point, story-wise, your next big plot point is in Ueno, a large dungeon that doesn't have a lot going for it other than poison traps. However, it is the first appearance of a gentleman in the suit named Lewis. He says someone needs to see you, and it's Yuriko who says she's totally your pal, not neutral buddy. Uh, Lewis, Lewis, uh, Lewis C.K., Lewis, uh, what's his uh, last name? Lewis Cypher. Lewis Cypher? There you go. There you are. Let's let's just sign that out a little bit. Lewis Cy... Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really sound like a name to me. And they're thinking out loud here about that. clever with this later, but yeah. (laughs) Um... 
Oh man, oh, god damn it! So we already mentioned American Gods because of this fucking. Uh, I was game. thinking, yeah, yeah. You're thinking, thinking of you're thinking of Loki, right? Yeah, yeah. Loki, fucking <laughs> that yeah. fucking twist. I hated that twist. I'm Doctor Acula. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, have you guys? Uh, you guys want? Uh, I know you don't like Dan Harmon, sir. So you can just close your ears for a moment. Oh, you sure. guys ever seen Rick and Morty? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I love freaking more. You know, there's that one scene where the, the vampire lore is just like, fuck, vampires aren't allowed to have joke names anymore. God damn it, <laughs> <Yeah>. try harder. <laughs> the, what, what was uh, the character's name was uh, Coach Ferratu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Okay, that's actually a good gag. I'm not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> All right, but anyway. Um, so we're, uh, we're in Ueno. We meet Louis Cipher. And he's got Yuriko in tow, and this time she turns into Lilith because, man, we weren't on the nose enough about this already. I like this twist, actually. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's not like the, the smartest thing ever, but I was like, oh, all right, yeah, bring Lilith in. It kind of, I kind of like that, uh, it, like, it's a temptress kind of thing where uh, she's uh, after you, evil. And then this uh, starts to really, you know, get into the Adam and Eve stuff, which we've. That's, of. that's why it's so dead on from it's, you know, Lilith would be used a little more subtly in future games rather than the lady who keeps showing up and telling you not that lady, not that lady, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what does this remind you of? I yeah, I, I, I totally get that. But I, I just for, for the, what this game does, I feel like that reveal is pretty good. It's true. Yeah, it's not the worst. I will give it that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The, there really is not a lot to this place other than the poison traps to wear you down. So, you yeah. know, my apathy about this is conveyed in the game making this place suck. Because that opening cutscene is pretty much the entirety of the place other than some schmuck in the middle will challenge you to another three-way fight. One of the shittiest, laziest looking... Oh, sorry, this is a little bit later. No, it is pretty shitty and lazy. You can say that. It's fine. Oh, no, no. I, I was thinking of the next fight that you have. Gotcha. Mm. You mean the boss battle up here? I mean, yeah, the, in addition to the shitty and lazy boss battle, the shitty and lazy art for the next shitty and lazy boss battle. <laughs> oh, you mean this thing that looks like a snake sneezed a dick? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Evan. That's a great-looking boss. No, it's awful. <laughs> this should be the art for this episode, just so people are going, What? Go for it. No, yeah, I think, I think we can make that happen. The mouth is pretty good, but the question I have is, like, is that thing at the top of the, at the at the apex of the lip, is that supposed to be a snake head? Is that a nostril? Yeah, are those nostrils and the weird lumps on the side that look like tumors, are those the eyes? Is it looking it, it's at a, it's, it's a very lumpy design. It's very malformed and um, not very informative of to the actual shape of the thing we're supposed to be looking at. Hey, I'm going to let you guys in on a little spoiler. This isn't going to be reused for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this boss fight is just a bunch of physical attacks because guess what? It's as lazy. Seriously, I hate this dungeon. It's it's a bad dungeon. It's a yeah. It's not even a gear check because nothing's really that hard in here. It's just can you cure poison if you step in it? Yeah. And you can. Because yeah. uh, heroin has poison D, and yeah. she's had it for pretty much the whole game. So yeah, buff your buff your defense here, and you can you can literally set this fight to auto attack. I think two of us did that. Yep. 
I'm pretty sure I ended up doing that at like after the first few rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's garbage. There's no actual strategy to the fight. It's just can you take a hit? However, you do get the golden apple for beating this I didn't even say this boss's name, the Drake Ladon. So you get the Golden Apple, which will allow us access to Tokyo Destiny Land, one of the coolest named dungeons in the series. And if you head southeast from Ueno, you will find a red building surrounded by trees. It is, And you've been passing these these red buildings, like, all game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they've served functionally no purpose. You could go there and grind out some levels, because sometimes the demons were higher level than what you were at the time. Yeah. And they're actually in... If I remember correctly, they're in sort of a clock point shape around the city yes. and the world. Map. There's one north, yeah. there's one south, there's one east, and there's one west. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, uh, as you, you can explore it a little, there's pretty much nothing there. It's pretty much one path with a few offshoots. And one of those offshoots in every single one of these red mansions will lead to a, um, a door that is locked. Well... To us, they aren't locked because we have the four-door gem, but you really shouldn't open it right now because you can really fuck up the game. Yes. But anyway, so remember the four-door gem from earlier? That's what it's for. These mansions. We'll be back. There will be a mission involving all of these clues. Where we actually broke this episode and decided to leave off is you are going to come to a bridge, and who's waiting for you there? It's Kerberos, your dog. So oh, now remind me exactly. How did we say goodbye to Kuroboros? He just jumped into a he jumped into a terminal because someone was a dick. Oh my hey, god! Yeah, someone was trying to open a portal, a uh, direct portal to the demon world uh, to bring demons onto Earth, and Kerberos jumped in to stop that, and <laughs> he just got obliterated. Yeah. Oh poor Kerberos. So should you have wandered here earlier, Kerberos would have kept you from proceeding, and that I actually. There's an event there, but it's basically just like, wow, we can't fight that dog. But if you have the golden apple, you he suddenly will. recognizes you because of the gold because the golden apple represents knowledge. Is that it? Yep. Ugh. Sure. Cut me uh, off. I was going to be more subtle about it, but yeah, just you get angry at me because I'm going. This Lilith twist sucks, but you're just going to spit that one out. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow, Kerberos goes. Oh, yo, bro. Hey, uh, I got teleported, and it's been 30 years. You mind if I just hop in the party? Mm -hmm. And so you do. You recruit Kerberos, and next time we will end up at Tokyo Destiny Land, which, despite the three-letter difference, is not Tokyo Disney. Yes. No, yeah. um, Definitely it has no relation uh, legally to the (laughs) Disney company. And how dare you think that? (laughs) <laughs> I think this was probably prior to Tokyo Disney, but I could be I could be wrong. It about was that. not. Yeah, oh, no, it was that, not. that's okay. it's been around for a while at this point. Like, um, I'm going to look up that date just to be safe. My bet would be 87. Let's see. For placing bets on when Tokyo <laughs> Disneyland opened. I I do like the Kerberos. Um, Sounds a bit like uh, like a stoner or something in his uh, his dialogue. He's like, <laughs> I wandered around aimlessly for a while <laughs> until I finally ended up here as a guard dog for this place. Eighty three, eighty three. Yeah. All right. So yeah, it's, it's it's been at least a decade since it's opened up. So yeah, okay. they, they definitely were referencing Disneyland. Okay. 
But yeah, that's it. That's uh, Shin Megami Densai Part 2, man. Next time is going to be a crazy ride. We're going to fight some gods, punch them in the face. It's going to be good. Actually, thinking back on this episode, kind of, kind of the only interesting things happened when they within five minutes of leaving that dream when you realize what the world was like. That, that, that's kind of it. Everything after that was just kind of the samey dungeons where yeah. not much happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaos Buddy turned into a demon, and Law Buddy turned into a ghost, and that's this entire middle section of the game. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate. The end will, you know, the end is better because there's more story to talk about, um, and the beginning is better just because it's a new and different game. I'm just going to be frank. SMT one kind of sucks. SMT two is where the series gets good. No, well, I'm I'm going to hold off to on on final judgments until next time. Okay, but, uh, I'm not a host, so you I can know, say I'm that. not I'm not uh, very far off from that opinion. We didn't take three weeks between the last episode and this one because we were such a huge fan of how this part plays. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh yeah, I was going to leave that little bit of inside baseball off the show, but since you mentioned it, yeah, we we took a little <laughs> break. I mean, you can probably hear a little bit of the rust. It was the game broke us a little bit. I think at one point the notes file I keep opening a tab just said it's been two weeks, buddy, to me. <laughs> Has anyone made any notes? Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> it's yeah. right in the name. Yeah. Anyway, we I, I gotta get heading to bed, so let's uh, wrap this baby up. Cool. All let's right. uh, yeah, let's close it up. Um, so yeah, in the next episode, we will be concluding uh, Shin Megami Tensei One. Uh, Want to give a thanks to uh, listener Jorge who uh, sent us some kind words versus email, which was uh, really great of him. If uh, you would like to send some feedback or any kind of uh, feedback about uh, upcoming uh, games that we're playing, which will be Persona 1 and then Strange Journey, you can email us at megatenmarathon at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, just look up uh, Megaton Marathon. And, uh, yeah, uh, if you... uh, Feel uh, feel generous and have a few minutes to kill. Uh, leave us some ratings and reviews on iTunes. It helps us uh, get the word out and uh, spread the word on social media. Shout out to We're Not Wizards because they shouted to us. Oh, yeah, I oh, yeah, you got a patron, uh, Patreon page already when you said, if you feel generous. <laughs> no, no, we don't have a Patreon page yet. But uh, <laughs> yet. We'll, we'll, we'll take iTunes reviews. They're free. All right, so uh, it sounds like we're done. So I'm going to leave everybody with just this little bit of life advice to ponder, to think about. Life-y, life-ho, hee-ho, it's not fair. <laughs>